Good morning, everyone, and a happy Saturday morning to all of you. And so welcome to another Saturday morning podcast brought to you by Catholics at Home uh, in collaboration with Catholic Research Center here in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, if you don't already know, uh, I'm Father Clarence Davidas, uh, and this morning uh, I'm going solo too. If you were with, our, with us last week, uh, Kevin said that he was flying solo, 
this week, uh, I'm going solo with a team of other people too. But uh, as Christmas approaches, I'm sure everybody is getting a little bit more busy. And I hope that uh, you are keeping well and getting ready and Advent has been good to you. We are already on the third week of Advent. Uh, we are entering this weekend, Gaudate Sunday, uh, the Sunday of great joy, as the readings would remind us. So welcome to, to our podcast once again. Uh, if you are watching us on Livebook, uh, please do to share with your friends. Uh, if, you, if possible, uh, also do a, a watch party uh, so that we can share this, this message uh, in this season of Advent uh, with others too. So as I said, we are on the third week uh, of Advent. We have been following the different themes for Advent. Uh, in the first week, uh, we took hope and uh, we talked to Sister Fatima. Uh, last week, uh, Kevin was with us. Uh, we took the, the theme of, of joy and, and looked at, uh, sorry, we took the, the, the theme of, uh, of, of how we can learn how to be at peace with one another. Uh, and today we're going to talk about, about joy yeah? and hopefully that this conversation this morning will give us some sense of joy as we prepare ourselves to, to enter into, into celebrating the feast of the birth of our Jesus Christ. So wherever you are from, as we always, uh, I hope that you have had your first cup of coffee or tea in the morning. Uh, I, just, I just finished mine. Uh, sometimes we just need that little warm drink in the morning to kind of get our engines running. And, uh, and uh, this week, uh, this week our podcast is, is going to be slightly different. Uh, maybe it's, 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 it's the first of, of, of sorts uh, in the sense of how we are going to run this. Uh, usually when we are running up to our to our podcast, you'll see a little poster or a small uh, picture uh, that is put on Facebook. Uh, you always see one personality that is being uh, that is being highlighted. But if you had seen our poster this week, uh, we had six names, uh, and we see that you know. So we have a whole list of people with us this morning uh, to have a conversation. And so it is, of course, you know, it's not easy to to manage so many people uh, on a podcast, but. But before we get into our conversation, I, I just want to, to acknowledge uh, and to thank, you know, someone who does all this work uh, in the background, you know. Uh, you know, I just want to, to, to thank Mark, you know. I think Mark, Mark deserves, Mark, deserves, Mark has been with us uh, in the beginning uh, as a co-host, but, you know, in the last couple of months, you always don't see Mark very much. Uh, Mark, how are you, Mark? Mark I'm good, Father. Thanks, thank brother. you, Mark. Thank you for all that you do for us in the back end, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, your viewers, you know, put some comments down there. Thanks, Mark. Kudos, Mark, for helping us, for, you know, diligently. And, you know, he works early in the morning. He, he disturbs me late at night, trying to get everything organized. But, you know, thanks, Mark. Thank you very much. Lucky I got my hair, brother. <laughs> and just to irritate me this morning, he, he wears a little shirt again. All right, Mark. So can we give you it for all the good work that you do? Thanks, Mark. Thank, thank you, Father. And so, uh, so this morning, uh, this morning, as I said, we are talking a little bit different. Uh, we're talking about the joy of living together, uh, and we are working together, Catholics at home, uh, together with Catholic Research Center. And also, we are working with the, the Interfaith Ministry this morning, uh, collaborating in the Archdiocese. Um, to, to help me this morning, uh, I would like to bring in uh, Jason uh, from the Interreligious Ministry of our Archdiocese. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Father Clarence. Good to be with you this morning. How are you? Have you had your, had your cup of coffee too? 
Yes, I am. Indeed. Wake up, especially early this morning to, to get ready for this podcast. Thank you. Yeah. So this 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 week, this week uh, Jason, uh, together with uh, your ministry, we're doing something different. Uh, as I said, uh, it's a first in, in what we have been doing uh, for quite a number of shows since April. Uh, we've got your friends here with us uh, to, to share a little bit about the joy of living together uh, in a community. And I think that's one that, that really... Uh, helps us or makes Malaysia stand out, isn't it? I mean, the different ethnic groups, the different religious groups uh, that we are able to to live together, we are able to you know engage with one another. But before we bring your friends in, you know, uh, many of us have seen, many people have seen this word Ameya, you know, Ameya. Uh, I'm sure people will be wondering, is that a Greek word or is that a Hebrew word or is it a, some other foreign language? Uh, Jason, you are with Amir. Tell us what, what does Amir actually mean, and maybe what does Amir do very briefly for our viewers this morning? Sure, sure, sure. Yes, I, I get that question or funny look each time I say we, you know, we are Amir or Premier. Uh, well, Amir is an acronym for Archdiocesan Ministry of Ecumenical and Interreligious Affairs. Uh, the ministry was established as a result of the interreligious dialogue. Or, or in short, the IRD cluster uh, of the Archdiocese. Yeah, when we when we talk about you know when we when we, when we talk among Catholics, we, when we say IRD, everybody knows what it is. But when we say Amir, uh, yeah, what what is that? Yeah, so so that is interconnected. So the this this ministry is about building bridges, uh, strengthening our ties with communities of other faith, uh, as well as uh, se our separated Christian brothers and and, and sisters. So for the last uh, couple of years, two or three years back, um, we have been helping to establish a premier. Premier stands for Parish Ministry of Ecumenical and, and Interreligious Affairs, uh, a premier team in each parish across uh, the Archdiocese and uh, help them to identify steps, how to begin building bridges with the community of other faiths at their parish uh, level. So ever since we have done that, uh, all the premier teams had organized numerous activities jointly with their counterparts, like uh, visiting places of worship, uh, unity walk, uh, caring for the environment, like planting trees, clearing rubbish in the neighborhood and parks, uh, even blood donation drive at the community center. Uh, some have organize uh, friendly futsal games, you know. Uh, and of course, not forgetting Malaysian, one of the favorite pastime is to invite everyone to come and have a big makan when we celebrate our festival or cultural uh, uh, festivals. Uh, yeah, uh, Hari Raya, Christmas, uh, uh, Chinese New Year, Deepavali, you know, so far. And of course, forums such as today, inter-religious forums such as today, yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, you know, when you say IRD, you know, uh, you know, some people say, is, is this connected to the RTD, the Road Transport Department? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think yeah, it's something much needed, isn't it? I mean, uh, interreligious dialogue uh, in on, on an ordinary time. So let us uh, maybe you know we are kind of collaborating today with with Ameya. Uh, what kind of uh, prompted uh, Ameya uh, to want to do something like this, uh, especially in the season of Advent? Right, right. Uh, well, Malaysia is made up of multiracial and multi-religious uh, people. And after 63 years as a nation, 
our race relations at times has been quite fragile. So I think we are all in agreement uh, to say that we, we need to reclaim the joy of living together in Malaysia as Malaysians. Yeah. So, so that's why we wanted to have this uh, platform and we thank you for, for, for having us uh, to be able to share our religious teachings on how each of us relate to people of other faith. And I think that's an important dialogue to, to learn from uh, each of us. Yeah, that's right. Very, very, very quickly, before, before we bring in uh, our friends this morning, so if our viewers would like to get involved in, in this, such a ministry of, of uh, interreligious dialogue, whether at a parish level, or I, I guess more on the parish level, or if different groups would like to engage, how do they go about it? What well, can they do? First of all, yeah, first of all, contact their leader uh, for that ministry. Each each minister, uh, each of the female uh, uh, leaders in the church are, 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 are yeah, basically coordinators of the ministry. Uh, get involved um, directly or indirectly. Uh, work with the female team. For example, uh, BECs. Yeah, BECs, as you know, in the, in the church has got many, many BECs across the area in which they, they, they cover. Uh, so even at the BEC level, they could get involved in some sort of uh, interfaith, whether it's dialogue in action or dialogue in uh, sharing uh, activities. You know, uh, for BEC is a, a great place uh, because you are in a neighborhood of people living not just Catholics, but they are they are Buddhists, uh, they are they are Muslims, and and so forth. And and you could do joint projects there. You know, uh, it could be. The Rukun Negara related, you know, cleaning the parks around the area or have additional security, safety, and, and things like that. Um, so, so yeah, so you can get involved at that level. Or if you are in the youth, uh, you could reach out via Premier to help you do the introduction to uh, a community of other faith and has set up set up futsal, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, matches, friendly matches. Uh, or you could work with the, the Sikh community. The Sikh communities are, are very big on uh, what we call the, the, the hot, uh, soup kitchens, right? Yeah. So you could help out there. So so there are many things we could do uh, uh, by by organizing things uh, jointly with uh, our friends in, in uh, other communities. Yeah. Ah, amazing. I think so. To all our viewers out there, if you'd like to get involved in uh, interreligious uh, ministry, uh, do get in touch with your your parish reps, uh, and I'm sure they will be able to help you to assist you. You know, sometimes I think when we talk about interreligious dialogue, this is what I always get. People think that. It's, a, it's something reserved for, for people who are well-versed in the faith uh, because, you know, you, you must know your faith in order to. But, but I believe that interreligious dialogue takes place also on the ordinary level, isn't it? I mean, it that's is right. on that's the right. ground, yeah. you know? That's right. Daily yeah. conversation when you go out to the supermarket, yeah, that's good relations. That's right. One another. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It could be as simple as, you know, a neighbor who has uh, young children and, and, and the parents are out, uh, you know, working and... And they don't have anyone to look after. You could, you know, offer that and say, okay, why don't you bring your children over and play with my children, you know, while, sure. while you're out. So that little things are dialogue in action, really. Uh, sure. Yeah, correct. Mm. So Jason, this morning you have brought some friends along with you uh, to yes. this conversation. So I will give you the honor of of introducing your friends uh, to our viewers this morning. Most certainly, thank you. Uh, we have first of all, we I like to introduce uh, Mr. Vinay Gamuti uh, Subramaniam. Uh, he's the national youth leader for the Malaysia Hindu Sangam. 
Uh, and uh, next, we have uh, Daozhang Tan Ho Chu. Uh, he is the president for the Federation of Taoist Association Malaysia, uh, also the vice president of Malaysian Consultative Council of Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, Sikhism, and Taoism. Uh, then we have uh, Venerable Mahinda. Uh, he is the general advisor to the Buddhist Missionary Society of Malaysia founder and spiritual director of Aloka Foundation Malaysia as well, and abbot of the Aloka Meditation Center in uh, Australia. In fact, he is actually calling directly from Sydney this morning <laughs> as well, yes. Um, next, we have uh, someone from the Baha'i community, uh, Mr. Vijay Karan Subramaniam. He is the director of the Office of External Affairs, Baha'i Community of Malaysia. Uh, and then next we have uh, Ustaz Dr. Syed uh, Hussein. Uh, he's the senior lecturer, trainer, public speaker on Islamic and interreligious studies. He is heading the uh, training and education in Islamic outreach, the Abim Center, and also the principal of Greenville Islamic International School in, in Bangi. And of course, not forgetting uh, Reverend Father Xavier Andrew, uh, he's the parish priest of the Church of the Visitation in Suramban uh, and also newly appointed ecclesial assess assistant of Amir, my boss <laughs> in that sense. Uh, and also he's the representative of the Archdiocese in the Christian Federation of uh, Malaysia, the CFM. Yeah, so all, all of us are here today. Well, Jason, uh, firstly, welcome, welcome everyone. Welcome to Catholics at Home, uh, to our podcast this morning, to our conversation this morning. Looks like you have brought a very power-packed team with you this morning uh, to have this conversation with, all, with, with us. Uh. So uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you very much for, for being here with us. Uh, and I think this kind of conversations do help us uh, you know, to promote harmony, to promote peace in Malaysia. Well, before we, we get into conversing uh, with our friends, I mentioned to them before, uh, you know, I'm not going to call them panelists because we're not going to give a lecture. Uh, I'm not going to call them lecturers because I'm sure they are lecturers in their own right. But Catholics at Home has always been a platform for friendly conversation. So because we are friendly, so we're all friends. So friends get together. Uh, this is like sitting in a coffee shop, but just that, you know, we are in different places uh, in our respective homes uh, and having this, co this conversation. Well, you know, when we talk about interreligious or interfaith engagement, uh, I, I always am reminded, uh, you know, if we we always have this nostalgia of the past, you know, how we were before. Uh, uh, many of us grew up uh, in a in a interfaith community or a taman. Uh, I'm not sure about the generation now. I, I'm not that I'm very far away from the rest, but many of us went to co-ed schools, uh, national schools, uh, uh, and we all were just no, lived happily. It was like a little fairy tale that a community and, you know, and, and, and as, as Christmas comes, I, I'm always reminded of this. I'm always reminded of the fact that, you know, one of the first things that I have to do on Christmas Day, this was, you're talking about when I was much younger, uh, is to organize the, to send the, the Christmas cookies to the neighbor's house. And also, we used to live in a neighborhood. So you had to carry these Christmas cookies and go and give all our neighbors, everybody. And, and somehow that practice, uh, I don't see that happening very much, at least in urban areas. Uh, it may happen, but maybe not. But there are various reasons uh, as to why such things perhaps don't happen naturally anymore. 
So this morning, our conversation is about, you know, how do we relate with, with peoples of other faith? Because I'm sure every religion, every tradition uh, talks about, you know, being kind, uh, being good uh, to one another, to humanity. But we want to explore a little bit uh, about what does your religion, in terms of your teachings, your theology, uh, maybe your scripture, uh, what does it say about you know peoples of other religion and how do we relate with them? Because that is something very important for all of us because religion gives us a current framework, a certain guidance as to how. And so uh, each of our panelists will, will have uh, about five minutes to just share with us uh, the key points. Of course, we can't go into details this morning. Hopefully another time we will have the opportunity when we are able to meet face to face and organize a, a better forum uh, then we can talk about in detail. But this morning, maybe just to kind of to whet our appetite a little bit uh, to tell us what does your religion say about relating with peoples of other faiths. So I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to start off with with Father Xavier. Uh, Father Xavier, uh, of course, you know, tell us a little bit, Father Xavier. Uh, what does your faith, okay, or should I say, what does our faith, uh, because we share the same faith, uh, about you know relating with peoples of other faiths. Thank you, Father Clarence, uh, for the beautiful introduction, and to Jason as well, and the team, Mark as well, and to all of you, home viewers, together with my friends who are here. It's indeed a pleasure to be able to share with you little thoughts. And as Father said today, it is a more a chat. And uh, speaking about chat, and he sp spoke about the joy, the joy of this uh, whole relationship of uh, being with other people of other faiths. Now, if you ask me this question, I can't but go to Jesus as the point of reference. And you see, if you see the life of Jesus, despite his Jewish background, Jesus transcended the narrow boundaries of Judaism. He was reaching out to others outside of his own culture. He spoke about, uh, spoke with Romans, with the background of polytheism, spoke to Syrians, the Canaanites and the Samaritans of his time. So in other words, he was interacting with people of different culture, of different faiths, of different belief system, even of different culture. We found Jesus approaching them surprisingly from a different perspective. He approached them and ironically, his own people, he was quite hard on them, including the Pharisees and the scribes of his time. And so what did Jesus actually do at that time? He went about healing the sick, delivering the one demonically oppressed, told people about the goodness of God. And he also praised people for their great faith in God. And he praised people, examples for the examples of how they have approached God. And he went to the poor and the rich. He was also very much uh, with the sinners and the saints. He was with the Gentiles, so to speak. So saying all, having said all that, I think Jesus was with people with a compassionate heart. We can call him a compassionate guru. So that would be my reference when you ask me this question. So Jesus was going out, not sticking to his own kind. And so that would be the promptings that every Christian should be engaged with. So as for the others, he was rebuking them. He was uh, debating. He was not actually debating with anyone. 
on the scriptures. He didn't say this scripture is better than the other. He, only, he never asked people to change their religion. In fact, Jesus did not call himself a Christian, though he was the, the founder and the, the, the main person behind the whole harnessing of Christianity. Now, having said that by way of introduction, as Father said, I must keep in mind, I'm going to give a lecture. So this is kind of a prompting to me. He went out to the others and in the context of modern day, today, we are amidst different faiths. The Muslims, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the Taoists, the Sikhs, and many, many more, the others. And I would like to go back to this reference from the Bible, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, make others above yourselves. That is what Jesus has called us to do as Christians, as Catholics. And the other quotation I would like to remind myself and my friends, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Taken from John's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 34. So the basis is only two in order to be able to relate with people of other faiths. All my dear friends who are watching and also friends from other faiths who are watching. Two things, love, humility. And you have love and humility, there will be respect for the other. And that would be the driving force for me to be able to relate with the others. All believe in a God, each in their respective way. We all have different vehicles, but towards the same destination. And so this is the little thought that I would like to share with you that uh, basically it is love, humility, and respect that Jesus has given us. And if you speak about Christianity, about Catholicism, this is the teaching even Christians has to understand. The driving force behind all this is Jesus giving the example. And so with that motivation, I am so delighted, so happy to be able to create with friends of other faiths. In fact, incidentally, I was... Uh, I just stepped down as the Interfaith Acting Chairman of the MCC-BCHST of Negrit Sambilan. And while there, the thing that I enjoyed most was the fellowship, was the fellowship with the other brothers of the other faiths. And uh, that brought us together much more. And so I think the basis would be more respect, love and humility. I think that's what I would suggest and imprint upon all of us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Father Xavier, uh, for that very condensed. I know it's not easy to to you know to kind of condense everything of of, of the Bible and the theology uh, into into five minutes, uh, and, and that itself is an art. Uh, so thank you very much for keeping. And, and 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 I think you you highlighted three things, uh, uh, three qualities that is required are required: love, humility, and respect. Uh, and I think that kind of sums up. Uh, what you say. So to our viewers out there, I'd like to ask you, you know, uh, put it now in our comment section. Uh, what qualities do you think? What, of course, there are many qualities. What qual Name one quality that you think is important uh, in your view uh, in order to promote uh, interreligious good relations, harmony in our country. Father Xavier talked about love, humility and respect. 
what do you think? Uh, tell us uh, what quality is required of every person uh, in order to promote peace and harmony. Um, so please do send us a comments and we'll see, you know, we, I'm sure we get a whole variety of, of, of uh, qualities that people think and, and hopefully uh, at, by the end of this little conversation, each one of us can, can take home one thing that we want to work on, one quality uh, to promote peace and harmony. Thank you, Father Xavier. Do stay with us. Uh, we will come back uh, to have a conversation with you. Um, I, was, I, I would like to bring on uh, Dr. Saeed uh, this morning. Uh, once again, good morning, Dr. Saeed. Um, uh, very good morning. Um, good morning to everyone. For being with yeah, us. I'm, you, you I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm saying here with you this morning. Thank you for joining and thank you for inviting um, uh, Father Clarence and uh, Mr. Jenshin and everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, in the name of God, most merciful, most compassionate, may peace and blessing be upon the final prophet, Muhammad. Um, and I wish and pray for all of you to have peace and very harmonious life. And with that, my wishes, long life, good health. And I pray to God to protect us from all these type of pandemic, disaster, and as well as human disaster, which is with no kindness and compassion which is normally destroying the peace among people in this world. With that prayer, Allahumma Amin. Um, let me give you three points on how we can relate with people of our faith according to the concept of Islam. Basically, it's like Father Clearance says, that it's not an easy job to summarize the concept but let me give you a very brief and very short Islamic concept of living together, dealing with people of other faith, as well as dealing especially with neighbor as one nation in this global world. Um, thank you very much once again for this opportunity. Islam is a way of life and believe in one God who is the creator of the entire universe and sending his messengers by messengers. Finally, the Prophet Muhammad, whose mission was summarized as the following manner. Let me read for you in Arabic and I will translate, don't worry. After 63 years living in this world and showing the way of life, Muhammad bin Abdullah, may peace and blessing be upon him, upon him Prophet Muhammad, has mentioned and summarized his coming into the following meaning and concept. I have been sent down in this world to perfect the human behavior, the human moral attitude, 
character excellent. So this is the um, basic concept of Islam. So this concept telling us how Islam encourage, emphasize, and focus on living together with people of other faith. Number one, in Islamic belief system, that you can see the oneness of God bring into one humility. And which is, you can find in the Al-Quran and the tradition of the Prophet Muhammad. Let me only quote for you a, a few verses from the Quran for the first point which means one God and one humanity in this world, that you can see chapter 18, which is chapter 95 and verse number four, it says that we all, we all are created in the best manner. And the next chapter, chapter Al-Isra, Chapter 17, verse number 14. And as well as chapter Al-An'am, which is chapter 6 and verse number 104, is telling us all of us are, all human are, sons and daughters of the first man, Adam. May peace blessing upon him. And the same chapters, the last two chapters I mentioned just now, chapter 17, verse number 104, chapter 4, uh, chapter 6, verse number 40, it's mentioned that God has given dignity to all the sons and daughters of Adam. So by using this first point, one humanity, and we are brothers and sisters, we can see how Islam encourage and emphasize on living together. Point number two. The Al-Quran is acknowledging and accepting the belief systems and faith they are existing in this world and encouraging the believers of Islam. Again, chapter number six, Surah Al-An'am, Ayah 108, to say that don't insult other religious faith, don't insult other belief systems and whatever they believe. It means live together. And encouraging number point number three that the kindness, love, compassion, as well as justice. By encouraging the third point that it should be spread to all human beings, not only people of your own faith, but the sons and daughters of others. And last point today, an Islamic concept of belief. If someone attracted your faith, 
your way of life, right? And don't do the compulsion. Don't do, don't force them to become. By these four points, we can see how Islamic way of life, Islamic belief system, the faith, asking the believers to live together. Finally, the Prophet Muhammad focus and force the believers of one God, Islam, the Muslims, to be kind and compassionate, starting from the neighbor. It is one of the act of worship. It is one of the compulsory, sorry, act of worship in Islam to take care your neighbor. To bond the relationship between you and your neighbor and between you and your brothers and sisters of other faiths. With that, I would like to invite every one of us to live in this world with respecting one another, being kind to one another, give the ultimate dignity to everyone and bring the peace. With that, I pray to God Almighty, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to let us understand one another and live together with peace and harmony by respecting one another, regardless of race, religions, right, and status. With that way, life, tawfiq, wal hidayah, peace be upon all of you. Thank you very much, uh, Father Clarence. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Said, uh, for that very condensed, uh, you know, and exposition of what Islam talks about. Uh, I like the idea, uh, you know, Jason, he was talking about, you know, uh, part of the act of worship is to take care of your neighbor, you know. That's right. Uh, yeah. we, we see a lot of similarities, you know, uh, with the twofold commandment to, to love God and to love your neighbor. It's 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 connected. Uh, you cannot love God and not love your neighbor. I, I'm sure that's the kind of idea. Uh, and it, it kind of helps each other uh, in, in one way, uh, in many ways, I suppose, to live out your faith. Oh, thank you very much, Dr. Said, uh, for, for that, you know. I just want you, know, you talk. You talked about a little bit about kindness and compassion. You know, we asked our our viewers to just uh, tell us what do they think. I just want to call out a few a few names. Uh, uh, firstly, uh, Jonathan. Jonathan says understanding. You know, he says understanding. Uh, we talk about uh, Eric says being friendly with. Uh, I'm going to read just from the side comments. Uh, being friendly. Angela says love, understanding, uh, tolerance. Uh, we have Anis Haziz. Azizan, I, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrongly, but uh, he talks about uh, open-mindedness. Yeah, and I think that's that's very important, you know, very important. Uh, Arumugam uh, Munusami uh, says love and respect for, for each other. Uh, and I think these are some of the things that we all need. And I think, you know, we will hear this. Uh, Diane Savri says unconditional love, peace, joy, and respect. Yeah, you know. The traditional themes of Advent coming out again uh, in terms of, you know, how do we deal with, with how do we relate with one another? And I think uh, these are some of the virtues you know, we all can can embrace 
uh, in our lives. Uh, and I think, I guess, I guess Jason, all the religions and traditions are going to, going to say the same qualities, isn't it? I mean, that's something that yeah. unites us. One humanity, so, you know, we share, yeah. you know. In your, in your work, Jason, in your work in Amea, you know, what, what is the driving quality that you think that I, uh, you think that helps in, in relating with others? Just if, you, if you ask you one quality, what would that be, would be needed? Well, I think uh, for, for, for my case, I, I would certainly meet, uh, ha have to be have a thoroughly open-minded and open heart with the interest of wanting to learn from the other. Uh, that is, I think, the most fundamental uh, uh, attitude to go into to a, a dialogue with, with someone else of, of other faith um, and uh, suppress whatever prejudice you may have while you're growing up, you know, listening to your elders teaching you about certain things, yeah. Uh, put that aside and, and have that interest in actually learning from another person, another human being. And I think that's the, for, for me, that's the fundamental uh, yeah. attitude. The group. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. So to our viewers out there, uh, keep sending us, what do you think, what quality is required? Uh, it's interesting to hear how people think and, and how people uh, look at uh, interreligious engagement. Uh, and hopefully these are things that we can, we can assimilate into our lives. Uh, in order to to live harmoniously, uh, let's bring our next friend uh, this morning. Uh, we have Daozang Tan uh, with us uh, from the Taoist Association. Good morning, Daozang Tan. Uh, before before we ask you to speak, I think many of our viewers may ask, what does the word Daozang mean? Okay, I know I know you, and we have worked with uh, MCC BHST very many for many years. Maybe our viewers will wonder, is that your name? Is that a title? What does it refer to? Maybe before, before you start, give some clarification for us. Good morning, Father Clarence. Good morning, Jason. Uh, as to your question, Daozang. Daozang, Dao as for Daoism. Zhang is a leader. So if you're an ordained priest, they will have to carry the title Daozang. It's for ordained priest. Yeah. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's so nice to be able uh, to be invited uh, by Amiya. I know I know the meaning of Amiya. It's nothing to do with Greek, but <laughs> it's an acronym. Uh, it's indeed an honor uh, to be uh, participating in this interreligious uh, forum. And uh, Taoist tends to be very uh, misunderstood in Malaysia, not just in Malaysia, but in most parts of the world. Um, even until today, uh, Taoists in Malaysia are categorized as uh, Buddhists. Uh, in the in the IC is written as Buddha, and this is what the Federation of Taoists is, is trying to do, is to bring the uh, awareness uh, of the Taoists, eh, so that uh, the right number of uh, Taoists can be reflected in the population census. Now, uh, during the recent uh, investiture uh, ceremony of the Mandubasa of Pera, the Sultan of uh, Pera, Tonku. Uh, mentioned about the various races, you have Malay, Orangasli, Chinese, Indian, and then he talked about the Muslim, the Buddhist, the Christian, the Hindu, they always left out Tao, see? So uh, that is the problem here in Malaysia. Uh, it's not, uh, rather they are not so well versed about Taoist and Taoism. And uh, it's our duty, uh, the Federation duty, is to bring this awareness. And I hope and I thank, in, indeed thank uh, uh, our Amiya 
for giving us this opportunity and we hope that we'll be able to participate uh, to give the Taoist perspective on uh, interreligious uh, beliefs or interreligious uh, uh, perspective. Uh. So uh, today's topic is a very good topic on uh, uh, relating to peoples of other faiths. Uh, well, I think for the benefit of the viewers, I think uh, I need to touch a, a bit on uh, Taoism. Uh, actually, Taoism is the only religion that originated from China and is some, uh, something like 5,000 years ago. It starts with the uh, Yellow Emperor era. Uh, and uh, in the old days, the emperor is the bestowed by heaven. And all ceremony, the emperor will represent the people uh, to uh, ask for blessing and to thank uh, heaven for all their uh, good fortune. So uh, it's only in uh, about 2,600 years ago uh, that uh, the great sage, uh, that is the Taishan uh, Laojin or Laozi, as it's commonly called, uh, wrote the Tao Te Ching. Tao Te Ching means the scripture of Tao and virtue. And this is the uh, most important scripture for Taoism. And uh, in it, it says, uh, the great Tao has got no name. The great Tao has got no form. Ta Tao Wu Ming, Ta Tao Wu Xing. So Tao in another chapter says that it gives birth to the one, one give birth to the two, two give birth to the three, and three give birth to all sentient beings. In all religious texts, uh, the creator will create, create man. They never differentiate on what are men or what race and things that is different era, uh, the different condition that they, they, uh, the time when the, that religion uh, is being propagated. So I will come to a conclusion that uh, God is one uh, because as you know that uh, the creator has got no form and has got no name as far as thousands is concerned and uh, it creates all sentient beings. So God is one called by different names. Uh, if you were to visit uh, the Piola Society, this is written on the wall. Uh, God is one called by different names. So uh, we are all brothers. We are all brothers and sisters. So for that, being uh, all our brothers, and we should be quite easy to accept everybody from uh, other religions. Now, the most important thing of uh, this uh, interfaith, uh, uh, these uh, activities or this uh, uh, whatever that we do, uh, is to follow certain, uh, uh, this golden rule, that uh, I call it, uh, one of which is do unto others what you want others to do unto you. Or you say that do not do unto others what you don't want others to do unto you. Now, if you follow the old golden rule, I'm sure every one of us will really be able to live as brothers and sisters, and we will be able to get along very well. Now, uh, all religion, just about we heard from all the previous friends who have spoken, uh, religion is about love. Religion tells us about love, and we talk about uh, trust, sincerity, we talk about charity. Now, these are all the universal values in all our religious texts. So we have to follow this religious value, these universal values. And without the universal values, uh, definitely we can all be a very cohesive society 
uh, very united and very harmonious. Now, uh, how can faith uh, help in forging unity, peace, and harmony? I think, uh, like I said just now, uh, we must be moderate in our views. Uh, we must uh, agree to disagree. These are some of the things that is very important for interfaith activities, for interfaith understanding and harmony. And of course, uh, if there were to be any uh, conflict, we need to have a conflict resolution in the best possible manner. So uh, this uh, trust that we build uh, out of respect, out of understanding, the promotion of understanding of each religion is most important. Most often than not, uh, we are ignorant of the practices of a different religion. And the most important point is never, never criticize or condemn or talk back about other religion. Uh, with all that uh, few important things that I believe uh, that we should always uh, practice whenever we are in uh, interaction with other uh, people of other faith. Now, there are so many things that we can do. I heard from what Jesus has just said uh, in the beginning that can promote, can foster this unity and how to get a united Malaysia. Actually, uh, Malaysians are by nature, by their very nature, they're very harmonious. By their very nature, they're very united. So uh, what is important is the joint activities that we can all do together. Uh, to promote this uh, unity, like uh, uh, just I mentioned about uh, festivities. Uh, <laughs> very soon, they will be celebrating Christmas. So I have to uh, hope that you don't forget us, the other religious groups. Uh, invite us to your uh, Christmas uh, celebration. Let's join together. Because this uh, group, we need more people, not just from uh, dialogue among the leaders, all people, all people of different faith coming together uh, to be involved in uh, activities, to involve in the certain celebration, festivities, so that we are really sincerely, uh, what do you call that, uh, united. We are sincerely celebrating uh, the festivities. This really builds uh, a united uh, Malaysia, which is very important, of course, uh, Charity is the cornerstone of all religion. Right? Uh, we must be charitable. We need to uh, uh, be helpful. We need to be caring. Uh, like Jason mentioned about the neighbors, uh, you know, offering them to look after children. Now, this is uh, like do unto others what you want others to do unto you. Uh, another example is, I saw it in the paper, there's one Malay family who lives next to a Chinese family who actually uh, kept a, a pet dog. And when uh, that family uh, has to go for a holiday, the neighbor, the Muslim neighbor, offer to feed the dog, to look after the dog. And that is the way, uh, if we can foster this type of understanding, this type of, uh, you know, uh, the golden rule of uh, doing unto others what you want others to do unto you, I believe, and I sincerely uh, believe Malaysia is very, uh, very, very good country. Uh, the citizens of Malaysia of different religious background, of different races can indeed and will indeed uh, live uh, harmoniously together. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Dao Zhang Tan.
for telling us a little bit about Taoism. Uh, also, that your title Taoism, you know. Uh, though I, I I know, but I had, to ask, I had to ask the question because a lot of people don't know uh, what what that means. I think you 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 brought out an an important point. Uh, you talk about inviting you for Christmas, but this year might be a bit difficult uh, because of the distancing. But definitely, when things are back to some sense of normalcy, we see definitely. I'm sure Jason will organize a Christmas get together for us to to share some some cookies. Uh, Jason, I'm putting pressure on you now. No, no, no. It's, it's one of our items on the list since the beginning of the year. But yeah, MCO kicked in and oh gosh, yeah, that happens. And, and I think that is that is one of the things about being Malaysian, isn't it? I mean, we celebrate the festivities of one another, you know, not not just the holiday. I'm sure the holiday is, is something that we all enjoy. Uh, but we are able to share that with our friends, uh, to share the joy of, of their own festivities. Uh, and I think that's something that is quite unique and something that is quite uh, peculiar to to our society. Thank you, Daozang. Uh, we will have you back uh, in in a short while too. Uh, yes, as, and so uh, like let's move on to yeah. Let us bring on uh, Vidya. Hi, Vidya. Hello. Thank you, Father Clarence. Hi, Vidya. Thank you for being with us. Uh, yeah. You come from 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 the Baha'i tradition, uh? yes. Yeah, uh, and that's something that not many people know, or at least have heard about it, but perhaps you know don't know much about much about it. So we are we are we are honored to have you here with us uh, this morning uh, to hear a little bit about what the Baha'i tradition tells us about relating with peoples of other faiths. Over to you. Yes, no, the, but the honor is really mine to be in the presence of you all and, and all the other speakers as well. Um, well, I think, you know, I, I was thinking about this question of, of um, what does it mean for us to live together in harmoniously in, you know, in, in a society as multicultural as Malaysia. Um, so I, I just thought today I'll just share some insights from the Baha'i Revelation uh, that, that has helped me personally to really think about what it means for us to be, to be united in a country like Malaysia. Um, First of all, I think one of the fundamental principles of the Baha'i faith is this principle of the oneness of humankind. Um, this, this principle, I think, has a lot of implications. So I'll just share a little bit about some of these implications and, and hopefully it will spark some thought uh, and give us an idea of how we can really think about some of the challenges that are facing us. Um, this, this very central principle is described in the Baha'i writings as the pivot around which all the other teachings revolve around. So, so it, it's really a, a very fundamental principle. It's also described as a, as a fundamental and underlying truth, right? Uh, so it's, it's, it's a very important principle for, for, for Baha'is, this principle of the oneness of humankind. And we are often reminded that we should not leave it at the level of principle. It's not just a slogan. It's not just a, a pious hope, um, an ideal, a poetic vision for the future. But really, we need to think about how this principle is applied on our day-to-day -day lives. Um, and and there, there are a couple of things that I think is, is important for us to think about when we think about the, this principle of the oneness of humankind. Um, firstly, I think to say that we are one doesn't mean that we are the same, 
Um, this is this is uh, another sort of confusion that sometimes uh, we fall trapped to, right? That we when we say we want to be united, we think that unity is the same as uniformity. But unity and uniformity are quite separate things. In fact, one can argue that without diversity and without differences, there's no purpose for unity. So unity kind of requires us to have diversity and differences. So then one, the oneness of humankind really is about all of us um, looking at each other as different, but really appreciating these differences to relate to one another, to understand, to empathize, and really be concerned with, with populations in our society that actually need a lot of help, right? So it, it's really beyond just being friends with each other, but really um, finding it within ourselves to go out of the way to really help the most vulnerable segments of the population. Um, I think the, the other aspect of what I was thinking about is, is this idea of how this oneness of humankind is a fundamental truth. Um, and, and I think when we say fundamental truth, one I, I mean, one way to think about it is if you look at science. Um, so, you know, Isaac Newton in, in 1687 uh, published his paper on the theory of gravity. But when we think about uh, how the world understood gravity, it, it wasn't as if before Isaac Newton, people didn't believe in gravity, right? It wasn't as if gravity didn't exist. But what Newton did was he gave us the language to describe that truth of gravity. And I think today it's it's so important for us um, when it comes to this principle of the oneness of humankind is to find that language to describe this principle and the ways in which uh, this principle will affect our lives as individuals, as communities, um, and society in general. So I think, uh, once again, it's, it's, it's up to us at this point in time, you know, with, with our connected, the connected nature of our world, to think about different ways in which um, this oneness can be, can be expressed. Uh, I think some of the other speakers also uh, have shared a lot of good ideas of, of how we can do this. Um, and, and for me, I think we should really think about it at, at the level of the family. Um, how are we bringing people of different age ages to come into conversation with us? You know, within our families, we have the children, we have the older people, because oneness also implies that age, um, there should be participation from all ages, from all backgrounds, all ethnic groups, all religious traditions, all, um, all genders. So these are all things that I think we need to think about. How do we bring participation from the widest cross-section of society? Uh, at the level of the community, I think the community needs to take responsibility for some of those that are suffering the most, especially um, as a result of the pandemic. So taking ownership and really looking for people that, that our communities can support and help each other, I think is, is also very important. So I don't know, I, I, I'm just sharing some thoughts uh, and. I, I hope that uh, there'll be more questions later and then we can have a, a open conversation. Yeah. Thank, thanks, Vidya. I think you have thrown uh, a new uh, 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 value to, to this whole conversation. 
you talked about the participation of families, you know, uh, in interreligious engagement. Uh, and this is something that maybe you want to take it up later also, because we realize also interfaith, uh, intercultural marriages are, are quite common in Malaysia. You know, uh, we, we see that we are participants of, of many marriages. Of course, talk about pre-MCO days and we are able to go, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a nice question to ask our viewers this morning, those who are, who are listening to us. Tell us, how do you think that families can, can promote uh, interfaith engagement? You know? So do, do put your comments. We'll try and pick up a few of things and have a conversation at the end with our, uh, with our friends uh, at the end of this, uh, all, after all have presented. Tell us, what do you think? What can families, what can families do uh, to promote uh, interfaith engagement? Uh, yeah. So thank you, Vidya. Stay with us. Uh, uh, we'll bring you back uh, in a short while. Uh, who do we have next, Jason? Uh, yes. We have uh, perhaps a vener uh, a Venerable Mahinda. Yeah. All the way from Sydney, Australia. So should we be saying good day? <laughs> I, I, I don't have I don't have the accent, so I'm not. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> Good night. <All> right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us, uh, Venerable, uh, in this, this important conversation. What are your thoughts? Uh, what does the Buddhist tradition tell us about relating with peoples of other faith? Oh, first of all, uh, <clears throat> let me first thank uh, Amiya, yeah, for this great initiative in this. Uh, time of crisis, yeah. And uh, Amya, I'm quite used to this word because uh, the Burmese tradition in Burma, every time they do transference of merit, they will recite Amya, Amya, Amya. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they, they will invite all the departed relatives to come and rejoice. <laughs> okay, so Amya is, uh, you know, uh, it's it's uh, I I familiar with this, <clears throat> and uh, I'm also familiar with your work, and I think a uh, great work that you all are doing. In order to understand the uh, the Buddhist uh, perspective of relating with other faith, and uh, first of all, we need to understand that during the time of the Buddha. That's 2,500 years ago. There was no Buddhist, there was no what you call Christianity, there's no Islam, there was no uh, Taoism was already there in China. Yeah. And there was no other Sikhism, Baha'is, and uh, other faiths. Yeah. However, there are, uh, I will explain that later, but first of all, and in order to understand how Buddhists uh, relate to others, uh, it is good to have some insight on the mission, what Buddhist mission is about. The Buddhist mission actually started uh, with the Buddha after, after his enlightenment and after training a group of 60 Arahants. These are those who are free from greed, hatred, and delusion. And then, uh, then the Buddha advised them, the group of 60, and he said, Charatabhikwe uh, Charikam, this is in Pali, Pali, the closest language to which the Buddha spoke. 
It says, Charita Bikwe Charikam Bahujana Itaya Bahujana Sukkaya Lokan Kampaya Attaya Hittaya Sukkaya Deva Manusana. He said, Wonder forth, go forth, O moms, and Charita Bikwe Charikam Bahujana Itaya Bahujana Sukkaya for the welfare and happiness of the many. Lokana Kampaya, out of compassion for the world. Attaya Hitaya Sukaya Deva Manasana, for the benefit, for the welfare, for the happiness of gods and men. This is the mission. And uh, the Buddhist mission is about alleviating, to alleviate the sufferings of humanity. The sufferings that accompanies birth, old age, sickness, and death. And that applies to all of us, irrespective of belief, irrespective of race. And uh, so that's the mission. The Buddhist mission is actually not about converting one people, people from one religion to another. Then, how do we relate to other, the Buddhist attitude to other religions? During the time of the Buddha, although there are no Christianity was not there and Islam was not there, but there were two mainstreams and uh, they are the Samana and the Brahmana. And these two mainstreams, Ramana, Brahmana, Sramana, they are more the ascetic or the wandering, wondrous. Yeah. And uh, they actually started uh, this Samana tradition dates back more than 10,000 years ago. Uh, during the time of Mohenjo-daro Harappa civilization in the Indus Valley, yeah? And uh, they have found, what you call archaeologists have found, records, terracotta of uh, yogic posture, and all these things date back more than 10,000 years ago, yeah? And uh, then there's the other tradition is the Brahmana tradition. The Brahmana tradition, Brahmana tradition is the one from the Aryan civilization. The Aryan civilization that moves in from central, what you call Asia, and entering to northern India. And uh, they push down the original, the earlier, what you call uh, civilization, the Dravidian stock down south. That's what you have in the Tamil center down south. Then this tradition, they brought along with them the belief in what you call caste, the Vedas and the beliefs in caste system. Yeah. So during the time of the Buddha, these two main traditions, Sramana and Brahmana, the Buddha was born in the Brahmana tradition. He was born as a Kshatriya in the warrior caste. But he gave up. He gave up 
his kingship, he gave up his, uh, his things in search for the knowledge how to overcome old age, sickness and death. So when he gave up, then he followed the Shramana tradition. So he was wandering in the forest, practicing in the forest, in the cave for six years before he attained enlightenment. Yeah. So, but although I mentioned that uh, Christianity, Islam and others are not there, these two, the Shramana and Brahmana tradition together, they have what you call six different streams of uh, philosophical thoughts. And, uh, and actually, if we go into the details of these six uh, streams of thinking, it actually covers all the belief system that exists in our, what you call all the modern religions. Yeah. Now, how did the Buddha, uh, how did the Buddha, uh, in relation to his other, what you call, religious uh, groups, the Shramana and the Brahmana, Buddha actually advised his disciples, his followers, and uh, that they should provide food for the Shramanas. Shramanas are the, the other Shramanas, the wandering ascetics. And they should also not forget the Brahmanas. Buddha regarded them as religious or spiritual and, uh, seekers. Then, and uh, <clears throat> Buddha also mentioned and told them that they should not lie. His disciples, his followers should not lie to either Sramana or a Brahmana, then that would be the cause of their downfall. Yeah. And of course, uh, I, what you call, uh, I leave out this uh, uh, exact, uh, what you call the uh, quotes, they are found in the uh, Anguttara Nikaya and also in the Dika Nikaya and the Paranibbana Sutta. And uh, then what happened was uh, Emperor Ashoka, who lived about uh, 250 years after the Buddha, and he was inspired by the teachings of the Buddha. And what he did was, during his lifetime, he caused uh, his messages were carved in rocks and on pillars, yeah? And that is over a large area that extends up through his whole empire, the Mauryan Empire. And uh, there are some 14, uh, what you call, rock addicts and uh, seven major pillars, stone pillars, and then there are some minor pillars. And on this one rock addict, which is interesting, is this, and uh, rock addict number 12. And this is what he read. He, according to the translation in the English, it says, whoever practices his own religion due to excessive devotion and condemns others with the thought, let me glorify my own religion, then he only harms his own religion. 
Therefore, contact between religions is good. And this is in the Brahmi. The Brahmi says, Ta Samayo Eva Sadhu. Therefore, concord is commendable. One should listen to and respect the doctrine professed by others. And uh, then this is how to inscribe. It says, beloved of the gods, King Piyadasi. That is how he addressed himself and Prashoka. He says, he desires that all should be well learned, well learned in the good doctrines of other religions. So that is uh, the Buddhist attitude towards uh, it's a very, very nice, very nice quote that you gave right at the end. Uh, it's a nice quote, uh, you know. Uh, you, you know, if you, you respect your religion and disrespect someone else's re religion, you actually do harm to your own religion. You know, yes. in a kind of, in a nutshell. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, for me, that's uh, yeah. It's, it's a nice quote. Uh, hopefully, I can I can get that quote from you uh, later on. Uh, yep. Be able. To use it. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Venerable, uh, for sharing. And we'll have you back uh, in, in a short while uh, to be able to have some. So we were, we were looking at some of the things that uh, we'll bring up later, Jason, uh, for families. You know, yeah, I just want to maybe highlight a few things. Like Matthew says, families should inculcate good values like tolerance, humility, humbleness, humility, empathy for people of other faiths, as examples. Yeah, I think it begins in the family in many ways. Uh, you know, to be able to to share. Uh, Diane says, be open to discuss if topics of other faiths are raised by your children. Uh, yeah, maybe that's where we can throw out some prejudices that that have that we some, we may have sometimes. Uh, I think yeah, some very nice very nice comments. Uh, people ask good suggestions too. Family openness, acceptance, tolerance with the family members are uh, the root and foundation for all to grow and share. Our love to the world effectively. Yeah. So quite a. I think we can compile all this into good suggestions into a little a little booklet. Uh, let's bring uh, last but not least. Okay. Uh, we believe uh, in the Bible. It says the first will be the last. The last will be the first. Uh, and so uh, this morning we have uh, Mr. Vinayagamurti from the Malaysia Hindu Sangam. Uh, to share with us the, the Hindu perspectives about relating with other peoples of other faiths. Uh, welcome, Mr. Vinayagamurti. Welcome, Namaskaram, and uh, good day to all. It's a great honor to uh, join uh, all of you today for a, a very uh, pleasant forum on uh, interfaith. Uh, in terms of uh, Hinduism, okay, in terms of Hinduism, uh, in accepting and relating with people from uh, other uh, faiths. Uh, I can break this to a lot of aspects, but let's. I'm trying to make this as, uh, as short as, as as I could and uh, as simple. Uh, the first thing uh, most of you all would have, uh, if you have a Tamil-speaking uh, relation, and uh, you would have seen them uh, telling this particular phrase, saying "Tenna dudaya sivane potri innaatavarkum ireva potri," which means. Uh, my humble salutation to the God uh, who is named Shiva in my territory, which is the southern part of India. And uh, the reply for the salutation comes in as, uh, which means uh, my salutation also to God uh, in the name of uh, 
in in a different name from other places okay which mean enna tavarkum means with uh, other countries so here itself uh, hinduism uh, opens its uh, respect to people with other faiths and the uh, accepting the god because uh, there's another vedic scripture which says uh, ekam sat vipraha bahuda vadanti which means the truth is one sages describe it variously or in taking it in a different uh, context, uh, context there can be multiple valid viewpoints about the supreme authority so hinduism uh, uh, promotes and encourages people to respect those who are following the different point of view uh, that is mainly hinduism's uh, the, the one of the core a uh, scripture veda says this ekam sat the truth is one or the supreme authority is one so the ways can be a lot people who are following the ways can be more but the ultimate rule is to respect all those who are following the uh, truth also uh, the hinduism stresses more on uh, love uh, you would have heard this word saying anbe shivam anbe shivam literally means love is god anbe means anbe means love anbe shivam love is god and based on this uh, the hinduism promotes those who love the well being uh, of other living creatures in this world uh, could be those with one sense or two sense uh, the crawling insects or the uh, plants a lot of things uh it stress on uh loving the creature created by the god that is mostly hinduism's uh, stress so when comes to uh, relating with people with uh, other faiths the love should come first so accepting them as what they are is mostly uh encouraged in hinduism i wish to quote uh, swami vivekananda one of our famous sages uh known to the uh, people with other faith as well who quoted in his chicago uh, speech first ever chicago speech 1883 uh which says which he quoted the scripture from bhagavad gita whosoever comes to me through whatsoever form i reach him all men are struggling through path which in the end lead to me this is quoted uh, this is uh, said by uh, lord krishna himself in uh, uh, the famous uh, hindu uh, scripture uh, bhagavad gita also uh, swami vivekananda uses this word tolerance which now most of us are uh, very uh, reluctant to use this because tolerating means tolerating someone that you don't uh, like but it's their tolerance has two ways uh, in hinduism we use the word tolerance a lot so goes to swami vivekananda who says tolerance has also the positive and divine element which means accepting and respecting willfully the differences that exist in the world created by god so hinduism as a overall speaks about love uh, promoting tolerance in a positive and divine manner and end of the day to reach the supreme authority 
uh, using all other uh, religious uh, or all other ways that leads to the truth. So this is uh, the Hindus' uh, aspect of uh, this one. There are some evidence uh, that can see that the Hinduism has adopted uh, uh, inter-religious uh, practices or uh, promoted inter-religious aspects, like, uh, such as uh, what we can say is uh, there's a temple in the southern part of India, uh, in Tiruchi, Tamil Nadu, uh, where it, it has the shrine of uh, Indian Muslim for being uh, devoted uh, in uh, love and affection towards humanity in a Hindu temple itself. It's a very famous uh, Hindu temple uh, by the name of uh, Sri Rangam uh, in Tamil Nadu. It's one of the 108 Divya Desam of the Sri Vaishnavite, a stream within the Hinduism. And... Uh, there in the temple we have the shrine of Tulkanachyar, who is also who is an Indian Muslim, who devoted her life towards the uh, uh, serving the um, creatures uh, created by God, spreading love. And her shrine is there till today. If you happen to visit Tamil Nadu, please go and see the living evidence of uh, our uh, this uh, shrine, which promotes inter-religious uh, and accepting people with other faiths. So, in conclusion, Hinduism uh, promotes love and uh, we speak about tolerance in a positive and uh, divine way and accept people. Uh, as end of the day, all of us are leading to the same direction with a different path. We may take a Sungai Bisi Highway, we may take a... Uh, Plus highway, or we may take a Kasas highway, but at the end of the day, all of us are going to reach to Putrajaya. Means that is our uh, end uh, uh, destination. So that is what Hinduism says: respect all those who are leading to the same position, because we are brought to just reach to the God. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you very much, Murti, uh, uh, for your for your explanation. You know. And I see that you are very well versed in the road systems in Malaysia. You know which which roads lead to. <laughs> it's just an example. <laughs> oh, but a good example, a very practical down example. You know, uh, I only know I only know one one road. I only take the the Max Highway. That's the only way I know to Putrajaya. Now I from, from what you said. So no, anyway, I mean it's a, it's a nice analogy. I think uh, sometimes when we when we speak about abstract concepts, uh, it is always nice to give analogy stories that people can relate with people can identify and, and i like the fact that uh that you you kind of use the different roads that uh but also of course you know sometimes along those roads we have we have toll gates so we have some hurdles exactly. we, have some challenges, we have some challenges but we still can cross them together uh we can still cross them together uh so to all our viewers uh, out there uh, if you have some questions that you like to post uh, please do post them uh, in our chat box. Uh, we have a little bit of time. We can take up some questions. Uh, I'm going to bring in uh, all our other, other speakers too uh, into this conversation, into this. Let me just slowly bring them in. Yeah. Thank you very much for, for patiently uh, waiting with us uh, uh, in this conversation. Uh, we have some, some interesting conversations. Uh, perhaps... Uh, address i mean it's not necessary for everyone to address uh, every question 
maybe I can just bring out one or one question first. Uh, here from the question is from Jennifer Wu, uh, and she talks about how to unite and reach out to those who are closed up in their own community and believe so strongly. Uh, maybe I mean let me just try and rephrase the question a little bit. If uh, I guess that's what Jennifer is trying to say, especially when we when we try to be non-inclusive of of others, we are very exclusive. But I think you know in some of the some of the virtues or some of the good habits that people have been saying is that open-mindedness. Uh, perhaps uh, Dr. Said, you would like to you know uh, say something about how do we promote inclusiveness in our, in our religious communities uh, and not to be exclusive. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Father and everybody here. Uh, once again, I was a little bit uh, lecturing earlier for five minutes, uh, you know, times that have been given. Let us relax for a few, you know, a bit and then um, try to get a few points on the question asked, you know. Um, how can religious leaders foster an exclusive, uh, inclusive rather than exclusive, you know, mentality among the people of the other faith? Okay, um, I have a few points to raise here and then, you know, point out. Number one, uh, this is um, experience and based on the Islamic concept too. Number one, um, um, I hope it won't harm anyone, but we need to be open right because we are doing our best to bring um, um you know a great uh, a place for people to live peaceful and harmonious place to live uh, people live um you know number one is that each and every one every religious leaders you know, must uh, learn their religion very well so it, it maybe seems to be something you know uh, it's not it's not highway like Nairamuthu says, but it can be um, the, the, this first point can be um, you know a kambang rock you know difficult rock yeah so uh, each and every one every religious leaders they have to learn their religion well and they have to um, you know promote the religious values you know today I used to say. I'm as educationist, uh, education become the certificates, right? Only looking for the certificates, mostly, eh? mostly. And uh, the values of education is less. So when I'm talking about the education, I talk about this. Values of education is very important. It's but it, it, which must promote, you know, as same the religion. The religious values, you know, uh, living together, uh, you know, uh, developing the characteristic, especially, right? We need to uh, focus on that. So we need to learn our religion, right? The basic religion, and we need to promote the religious values, right? Based on what we say that the moral behavior, right? Developing, I mean, I used to say the character excellence, right? Internal, internal discipline, right? Of the religion. How people can be people. I used to tell my uh, brothers and sisters in the same faith and the brothers and sisters of the other faith, um, before you become a Muslim, before you say that I'm a Muslim, you have to be a human first, right? And once you are human, you show that you are 
you are a, a great citizens of a country, great citizen of Malaysia, right? Then you are Muslim. Then you are a Christian. Then you are a Hindu. So we have to base and and focus, emphasize on the first point, which is the values that the religion, you know, uh, enforce, um, you know, to develop character of human. Number two, very fast, is that we need to learn the next, the other religion, in their culture, in their in in, in their practices, right? Basic of that. Then we have to, number three, I just uh, complete, that we should not be selfish in anything, right? Going to, going to leave for a while and going to go back, right? Uh, everybody is living, I, I don't think so now, people are no more than 90 years and 95 years, very less, you know, the, the, the life are coming short. So we need to think that we should not uh, uh, focus on the selfishness for any reasons, right? We need to promote the, um, what we call that, the uh, great uh, attitude and, and, and what they call that the moral behaviors um, you know in our religion then we can help people to love others and respect others thank you very thank much you. thank you thank you uh, you know I, I was saying earlier that people of a certain generation uh, are quite used to the idea of of living with people of other faiths isn't it i mean uh, we live together uh, in different communities, uh, work together. But we cannot deny the fact that more and more today, uh, younger people come within the context of a more polarized context of a situation, you know, different. You know, there's a question here. Uh, maybe I just want to kind of turn it a little bit uh, from, from Greg. Uh, okay, hi, Greg. Greg Greg is in Perth. Uh, I know Greg. Uh, he asked, is there a guide or are the principles that provide the framework for dialogue? But I just want to turn it a little bit. Uh, for young people, what can we provide? What kind of framework can we provide for, for young people uh, to, to, to help them? Because it's not something natural. It's something that uh, we have to engage them. Uh, looking at the screen, I think the two youngest people here probably would be Vidya and, and, and Murthy. Uh, you know, uh, maybe Vidya, you want to say a few words? How can we promote young and help young people to, to be involved in uh, interreligious? And maybe Murti, a few words too. I would think you, are, you look, the two of you look the youngest. Uh, no offense to anybody else that's here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the others, the others, the others look young in heart. Young in heart, yes. How do you <laughs> promote young people, Vidya? What do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think. I think that has been one of the questions that that is is so important, especially when we think about how uh, the young the young younger generation forms such a large part of society, right? And and they are so important for for the building of the better future. Um, I think one thing is to center this idea of of building unity around service to others, and I think that's um, a, a part of the teachings of the Baha'i Faith. Uh, Baha'u'llah, the divine educator that brought the, the, the teachings of the Baha'i faith, has oftentimes looked to the young people to be like this example of, of service to others. I think it's so important, and, and I think many of us have also shared about that, how through acts of service together with others, you know, we build this, this bonds of fellowship, of, of joy. Um, but at the same time also, you are able to, to reach out to new people and, and, and strengthen those relationships as well. 
Um, yeah, and I, I think at least from the experience of the Baha'i community, it's so important for us to to join hand in hand in, in um, serving others. The other young person that's here. <laughs> okay, uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, youths now they need a catch. They need a catch. They need something interesting. Whatever they go for, we even myself, the, if there's something interesting, there's a catch in what we are doing. It's very fast to attract them. So, uh, when it comes to interreligious activities, interfaith activities like this, uh, we can maybe organize uh, more joint ventures, activities like uh, treasure hunt, uh, quizzes, which bring along uh, people from other faiths uh, in a group. Let's say uh, Team A in the quiz uh, must comprise people with three different religions, and they work together answering questions from different religion about different religion, or a treasure hunt, which gives a hint about a uh, hint which involves a different religion and leads to the particular place. This can uh, actually promote and attract more youths to join uh, and in this kind of interfaith uh, uh, dialogues or interfaith uh, approaches and bring more uh, closeness among uh, people with other faith. Uh, so what I would like to summarize is, is just that they need to uh, have a catch and something interesting organized to bring more youths into this kind of uh, activities. So, so both of you seem to be saying, you know, we need to organize activities. Uh, young people are attracted to to activities. Yeah, basically that's what youth looks for because uh, yeah. less youths will ask for this kind of forum. They want to do the field kind of activities. Sure, sure. Uh, we have another question here, interesting question uh, from Leong Yu Ming. Uh, perhaps, uh, you know, I would address this, this question to Dao Zhang Tan uh, and then perhaps uh, Father Xavier also. In, in your opinion, uh, what is the, the main hindrance? If you could name one to peaceful coexistence, uh, we know, you know, some of the things that, that prevent us. Sometimes, you know, we say that, you know, we don't want to mention the elephant in the room, but sometimes that's the reality that we are having to deal with. Uh, in your opinion here, uh, you know, what is the main hindrance and how can we, not just to identify the problem, but how can ordinary people uh, overcome that hindrance? Uh, Dao Zhang Tan first. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the main hindrance is all uh, based on uh, different communities as for Taoists. I think you should know that the Taoists, they are more concerned about livelihood. And if they are students, they are more concerned about uh, their study. Uh, generally, that is what the Taoist community, uh, well, the way they carry out their life, you know. So uh, because of that, they, they tend to be very focused in their business or in their work. And they, when they are studying, they are very, very focused in their uh, study because the priority is to uh, pass the exam, to go to university, and to be a professional and things like that. So uh, generally, that is uh, the the thing that the Taoist community are doing. And the other the other hindrance is that uh, the leaders or the committee of most Taoist temple, they are the elderly. They are you know uh, people who have. Uh, uh, more free time, or maybe they are already retired. And uh, the most important, the greatest hindrance, I would say, is because of language barrier. Uh, very seldom uh, you see these leaders in the, the temples. 
uh, they are able to be uh, bilingual or, or in English or in Basque. Most of the time, they be using Mandarin or their dialects. Uh, that's the uh, main interest. Uh, by and large, I would say that how the community can come together, uh, you'd be surprised, I would say this, to be yourself. Uh, for Taoists, I think I would say that put your religious belief aside. Uh, be yourself. Uh, a good example, when I was small, I was uh, I was born in a military kampung. There are only six Chinese family there. And as a child, we, we are, you know, we are making ends meet during quite a hard time. And we don't have a television, you know. So what we do is we always go to our Malay neighbors who have television and fridges and all that. So there's no problem at all. We can just live together, like you say, the joy of living. And we are so carefree, right? So important thing I would say, even though we are talking about religion, is to put aside the religious practice and belief of your own. Uh, you know, it's between you and God, huh? When you're in uh, interaction with other people, be a person, be natural. I think that is something I believe uh, can help to foster a harmonious uh, society. Father Xavier, you want to say a few words? Uh, yes, what's the, uh, what, what are the challenges and how can we overcome them? Thank you, Father. I think uh, among other things that uh, others have shared, one would be the rigidity in your mind of your own religion uh, that I am on the superior platform to be able to let go, like they say, let go and let fall. No? So I think that should be a need for us to engage with others. I would just give an example of my own experience where I remember when I was out there teaching, uh, people know that I am a Christian. But when I engage with them, we never talk about all this religious stuff so much, you know. It's more humane, social, our get our laughing together, chatting together, and uh, rigidity of the mind. Uh, there need to be flexibility, flexibility in our relationship with people. So if I'm caught up in my own mindset, that would be one difficulty that would not be able to uh, come together for a harmonious joyous living that we are speaking about. Be able to laugh and be able to smile with, at each other. Uh, simple life life experiences, you know, no need to be so, so theological in our approach towards each other. The other would be today we have this problem, you know, this uh, phone, latest gadgets. That has taken a lot of our time and so people have become more self-centered, more uh, time is taken for that. So need to end uh, to be able to discipline our mind and ourselves in order to avoid this as much as possible sometimes so that we are able to sit and chat, you know. Uh, a cup of coffee with each other is just fine. You know, I remember recently when a pastor from another church came to invite me for a cup of coffee and we went down the street. Just things like that. You know, this will likewise the neighborhood, like now Christmas is coming or any other festivals in the neighborhood, people are not able to know the other person who is the next door neighbor. And I know I'll be able to recognize the other person to smile. Sometimes I go visiting homes and I ask, who is your neighbor? Uh, not too sure. <laughs> people say, I'm not too sure. You know, some, some do say, this, oh, they are, they are wonderful people. Let me be wonderful in order for, the, for me to recognize the wonder in the other, the wonderfulness in the other person. No. So I recommend this to be, I mean, it's simple. Sometimes it has to be begin with the homes, families, 
Sometimes parents uh, have to encounter in them. Just now, our two brothers, Vidhikaran and Murthy, were sharing about uh, uh, young people getting engaged in sports, in sports or events like that. Apart from that, if parents can conscientize them, sometimes uh, parents can be a stumbling block. Forgive me, parents, if you're watching. Uh, sometimes we can be the stumbling block, saying to our children, "This is the way it is. Don't mix with the others," you know. And so, living consciously is important. and this is what i i see among other things that you have shared you know thank you father thank you father zavier uh, just we are running out of time and just want to take another question maybe that this is to venerable mahinda i will say you know uh, a question from ahmad ski uh, just want to ask uh, as we know there are a lot of religions in the world but how do we foster peace you know uh, how can we bring about peace uh, in the world i think this is uh, a question that many of us pray for many of us want uh, you know uh, even in our church in the catholic church uh, on the 1st of january is a world day of prayer for peace uh, in your view uh, venerable uh, if there's one thing that we all can do together how how do we foster peace i think uh, hearing all our friends have said and the comment the common value is love and love is peace and uh, so in buddhism we have a practice called metta or loving kindness and uh, this is shared with uh, <clears throat> the hindus and others as maitreya metta and i think uh, from the christian side the closest from christian and islam is agape yeah and uh, it is the wish for all beings to be well to be happy so this is the basis of altruism altruism is about having the sincere the genuine wish for the well-being of others and uh, so if we can start with ourselves and then we promote it to all others around us yeah then uh, that is what this love is the this is what i feel that the, the whole world needs love more love than anything else and uh, in fact uh, what we are doing now is the young buddhist association of malaysia at this point of time they started from uh, november until end of uh, december they will be doing this uh, 1 million minutes of metta loving kindness so they are engaging themselves engaging others to cultivate loving kindness in their hearts and spreading out to all around them and especially in this time of crisis and uh, it is this love that we have for one for ourselves and for others that uh, can help us to reach out to others and uh, as what you all mentioned about and it's so important to have the kind of communal support in this time of crisis when we talk about the young people how to reach out to young people i think uh, immediately we see the impact the challenges of covid-19 uh, uh, pandemic will be it affects employment and uh, 
And this is where if all the, in, the religious groups can get, get together and promote something, a kind of social enterprise. And what, can, what comes to my mind is uh, we have to plant seeds. And uh, not only the seed of love in our hearts, but real seeds, vegetable seeds and uh, flower plants that uh, then we had this idea because uh, I, uh, two speakers spoke about Putrajaya and uh, the Buddhist Mission Society has actually built this uh, center in Putrajaya. And in Putrajaya, we have uh, the government has allocated space, the uh, Taman, what do you call Ibadat, that is uh, for Buddhism, Christianity. I think there are two plots for the Catholics and the Christians. And then there's also Hinduism and there is uh, Taoism. And uh, so there are, there are plots there. But so far, the Buddhists, we have just finished the building and the Hindu temple is going on. And I think uh, this would be a good place to start. And uh, if we all can get together and uh, then to grow some kind of uh, vegetables, flowers, or whatever it is, and we call it Kabun Mohiba. And uh, then from that idea, from the administrative capital of Malaysia and spread out to all the other states where getting all the young ones, not only young, elderly as well, to come in. And then that can eventually come out to what you call social enterprise, which I think can help the country and also the youth to find some employment. Yeah. So this is all the same coming from love, from compassion. And I think, uh, I think it's a great thing that uh, what people are and what you are doing the only thing is how we follow up. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Venerable. I think I, I think you know that's a nice, uh, fitting conclusion to our conversation this morning. Uh, the key word is love. You know that ties us all together. Whatever tradition we come from, uh, religious backing, uh, whether we are from urban or semi-urban areas, uh, you know, I think it's love that ties us all together. And I, and I, Jason, I'm, I'm reminded. Even in our own, uh, in the Bible, in, in, in the epistle of John, 1 John 4.20, uh, very clearly says that you know, if, you, if you claim that you love God and you, and you don't love your neighbor, it says, the, the strong words, you know, it says you are a liar. So you cannot say you love God and don't love your neighbor. And I think that is the clearest sign that I think, and, and I think even uh, Dr. Said uh, mentioned uh, earlier, you know, uh, part of the act of worship is to love, to love your neighbor. And I think Daozang talked about the golden rule, uh, which we all share. It all comes out in different ways in our scriptures. Uh, the golden rule uh, is applicable to all, you know, uh, what you would like to be done to you, you do to others. Simple principles in life. And I hope you have had an interesting conversation. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to, to thank all our friends who have taken this Saturday morning. Uh, I know it's, it's very, you know, people treasure Saturday morning to take some time off. Uh, from other activities. Uh, thank you for taking time off. Uh, Jason, you want to say a, a few words to our friends? Mike. Sorry, Mike. Yeah. 
<laughs> so on behalf of uh, Amir, I, I I like to thank all all of you for uh, accepting this invitation for this dialogue. I, I've learned tremendously a lot, uh, even though I've been in 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 this uh, role for a few years. Uh, your your sharing has been in most invaluable and inspiring, and and I truly think that we can be um, the the most um, common tag word, like tag word that which uh, tag phrase that is. Uh, Malaysia is truly Asia, and and uh, we can be an example for the world to uh, follow, uh, to live in peace and harmony. So I, I really thank you for for your sharing. Thank you, Jason. Uh, thank you very much uh, to to Mr. Vinayaka Murthy, Father Xavier, uh, Videkaran, Venerable Mahinda, Dr. Said, Dawsang uh, Tan. Thank you very much for for being with us, uh, and hopefully, you know, this will inspire others. The whole uh, initiative of Catholics at Home is to inspire others. You know. And we are one platform that to help others, you know, so that people on the ground now, you know, you know, it's possible. Uh, even though we can't meet face to face, we can't go for tetare, we can't go coffee shop, we can do this. Uh, we can just call up a few people in our taman and say, let's have a Zoom conversation. Uh, and that's our hope. Our hope, yeah. Uh, social distancing does not have, does not has to does not have to separate us. You know, yeah, we can't meet face to face, but. We have another platform, and I think this one is. Clearance, the social distancing is make us close. Yes, <laughs> we have more opportunities now. Uh, we have yes, more opportunities. Yes, exactly. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very. Uh, sorry, Venerable Mahinda, you want to say something? I think your hands. The COVID nineteen the virus actually is teaching us something. It's teaching us that they can infect people of different walks of life or religions or race without any if we can learn this lesson from them and we can inject love to all yeah then uh, there will be more peace and harmony to all so i wish all our listeners our catholic brothers and sisters to wish you all a very happy christmas yeah thank you yeah, thank you very much thank you Thank you, everyone. Thank, thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. It's been a great pleasure and very enlightening. Thank you, and uh, early Christmas and uh, Happy New Year to all our fellow Christians. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we wish you all the same because we are Malaysians. We celebrate everything. So we all celebrate Christmas together. Uh, uh, so thank yeah. you very much to, to, to our, our viewers out there. Thank you for joining us. I know today has been a, a longer session uh, to be able to have this conversation Sometimes it's not possible to, to contain ourselves within that hour, but it has been an interesting conversation and we hope that uh, Catholics at Home will be, will be able to continue to partner with other, uh, other organizations in the church. Uh, we thank Amea for giving us this opportunity uh, to have this virtual conversation, forum, uh, friendly get-together, whatever you call it. Uh, it's been a great Saturday morning. Just to, uh, to tell you a little bit of what's coming up soon, uh, don't forget, as usual, next Saturday uh, morning, we are hoping we are hoping to to speak to someone who has been in the newspaper, uh, not just locally but internationally. We are hoping to person. I'm not going to give it away uh, this morning, but we are trying to organize that. Uh, so do join us uh, next Saturday morning, uh, say 10:30 a.m. for an interesting conversation. For I'm sure you'll be interested to meet this person because uh, many of us have been reading about about this person. Uh, uh, online uh, and he has been in the world uh, news also so we hope to get him uh, and also on next Saturday uh, at 8.30pm we have a special Christmas show uh, lined up 
Okay, uh, so it's a kind of like closing the year because after that, Catholics at home will also take a break and then we'll come back, we'll resume uh, in the new year. Uh, we have a show lined up for Christmas uh, special, a Christmas special uh, next Saturday on the 19th uh, at 8.30 p.m. So do put this down in your diary uh, next Saturday morning, 10.30 a.m. And also uh, in, at, at the evening at 8.30 p.m. for our Christmas special where we are going to premiere our virtual choir. It is to be the Malay Malaysia's largest Catholic virtual choir. So do look out for that. Uh, quite a lot of activities planned also uh, for the Christmas special. Uh, do join us uh, that evening. Uh, and don't forget to, to share, to like uh, on your Facebook page or on your, your or to subscribe to uh, your YouTube to our YouTube channel uh, to share this good news, to spread it with others. So until we meet again next week, everyone for joining us uh, and we look forward to seeing you next Saturday. Until then, keep well, stay safe and God bless. to